We begin now the actual study of the Memches Kinyane Torah. Our previous year was an introduction to the entire Limud and concept of the 48 Kinyane Torah, found in what is known as the sixth parak of Perkei Avos, Perak Kinyan Torah. And in today's year, we will study the first two of the attributes or the Kinyanim that are listed according to most of the versions of the Brisa. Uh, throughout our Limud, we will note that, in, depending on which version of Avos you open up, uh, the Brisa's list of the 48 Kinyanim might be in slightly different orders, but uh, obviously we'll have to make our decisions about which ones to do in which order, but uh, in pretty much all of the versions, the opening two of the attributes are the ones that we will study today. So surprisingly, perhaps, the very first of the attributes is called Talmud, which we would, for now at least, just simply translate as learning. But the obvious question is, if this entire brisa is about Kinyan Torah, all about the necessary attributes to acquire and master Torah, then it would seem obvious that you have to learn question is, what do you do to make your learning successful? Whether it's the, the level of the learning or your ability to retain your learning, that seems to be the mission and the theme of this entire list. In what sense, does, how does it make sense that one of the attributes is Talmud? Shouldn't the list be attributes necessary to be able to be successful in learning? But not learning itself, that just seems to be obvious. So this question obviously bothered the Mefarshim, and there are a number of different interpretations, and I'd like to share with you three of them. The first uh, is suggested in some commentaries, uh, actually in some of the more recent commentaries, uh, for example, by Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau, the former chief rabbi, in his parish on Perkeavos, Yachel Yisrael. He and others suggest that what is Intended here is not learning, again, that's obvious, but rather specifically what we refer to as hasmada, being a masmid, being a diligent and dedicated uh, student of learning. And he explains that what the Bryce is coming to teach us is the first Kenyan, right out of the box, you need to know this. There are no shortcuts, there is no shtick, there's no substitute for hard work. The only way to acquire Torah, to achieve a kin Torah, is with hard work. There's no magic, no, as they would say in Hebrew, no tachbulot, no segulot. The only way to acquire learning is to learn. As uh, one of my high school rebellion would have said, zitzen and learn, to sit and learn. You just got to do it. And I think that on the one hand, maybe this is obvious, but in fact, I think perhaps uh, it really did bear repeating. After all, when we uh, think about great Tamir Chachamim and Gedolim and the like, uh, we often think of genius and uh, understandably so. But we don't always appreciate their hasmada, their absolute and sheer unyielding dedication to learning hour after hour, uh, day by day. And we shouldn't overlook that. The, you know, the perspiration, as the saying goes, can be more important than the inspiration. I remember uh, probably uh, almost 20 years ago, uh, spending Pesach with somebody who, in course of conversation, an older Rav at the time told me that at some point during the college years, he had been Rav Lichtenstein's uh, roommate. I remember asking him, 
all about uh, Rav Lichtenstein and trying to get a sense of, you know, how big of a genius he was in those days. And uh, one of the things that he stressed, not that Rav Lichtenstein wasn't a genius, obviously was, but he talked about Rav Lichtenstein's Hasmada, how he was literally the last person in the base medrash in Wayu. He'd come back to the room late at night, well after midnight, every single night. I think he said one or two in the morning. Uh, every single night, he was the one who was turning off the lights in the base medrash. He wasn't just more brilliant than everybody else. He was the biggest masmid. And that is something which, according to this interpretation, that's what the Bryce is telling us right away. You know, your natural gifts and talents, you know, we're not always in control of that, obviously. But our hard work, perspiration, the effort we put in, hasmada, that is the first thing we need to know. That's the cornerstone, the basis of everything. Rabbi Baruch HaLevi Epstein, in his commentary to Avos, the Baruch She'amar, uh, he has a slightly nuanced, a slightly different version of this. He specifically uh, mentions this in the context of um, people who might think that Bizchus Avos, if they come from a very famous rabbinic family, or their father is a Tamar Chacham, or something in the like, that they could just inherit it. Uh, either you know, genetically, literally inherit it, or maybe if you just grew up in a, a family that has Torah as a value through osmosis, it kind of just seeps in. And says Rabbi Baruch She'amar, that was the Havamina here. You might have thought that somehow you could just get it through the schus of others. And Kamash Malan says the Brai said, no, nothing is automatic. We start off with Talmud. It's the first thing. You need to do this. You need to earn it on your own. That is interpretation number one. Interpretation number two um, is suggested by, uh, in particular, the Medrash Shmuel. Medrash Shmuel, we quoted him in last week's uh, introductory shir, a very classic and important commentary on Perkyavos dating back uh, quite a few hundred years. And the Medr Shmuel says what the Brisa here is referring to is that it's important not only to learn, again, obvious, a person must always feel chaser. A person must always feel the need to learn, that they, no matter how much they know, they don't know enough. We have to be like Tzamelamayim. We have to be feel the thirst uh, for learning. It doesn't just mean we have to learn. Again, that's obvious, but that we have to always feel the need to learn more and more. It's never, never uh, enough. Uh, there is a, uh, a well-known uh, quip, which I think is very sharp and worth uh, sharing in this context. It's sometimes you'll see it in some of the Svarim in the Ba'alei Musr. Uh, you can also see this in the introduction uh, to the Shut Rav Pa'alim, which is one of the Chuvasvarim written by the Ben Ishchai, where they point out that it's something very striking, which we take for granted, but that in Judaism, great, great scholars are referred to as Talmidei Chachamim, which again is an expression which we all take for granted, but it's kind of uh, literally, in a certain sense, might not make sense, and it's certainly not the way we would usually think. We would think of Chachamim, the Chachamim. Chazal, that's a term, but to specifically refer to a great scholar individually as a Talmud Chacham, a great Talmud Chacham, what does that mean? A student and a scholar, a Talmud Chacham? The whole conjunction uh, is a little bit bizarre. And these, uh, Mepharshim explained, the quip goes that the reason that in Judaism we call great rabbis Talmidei Chachamim is because they must always view themselves as a Talmud. No matter how great a Chacham, the person always must be, first and foremost, First and foremost, a Talmud. He's not Chacham Talmud, he's a Talmud Chacham. First and foremost, no matter how old, no matter how much expertise and how much knowledge, you're always first and foremost a Talmud. A Talmud Chacham. First, always be learning, always realize you. there's more to learn, there's always something that you can learn, as the Medrash Shmuel says. A 
additional nuance to this uh, that Rebbe Shmuel himself adds, which is that not only if you feel always chaser, if you always feel the need to learn more, will you keep on learning, but it will also, therefore, increase your willingness to learn from all people, from anyone. Because if I feel chaser, if I know that there's so much that I yet don't know, then I'm happy to gain from anyone who can teach me. Uh, if I would be full of myself in a certain sense, or feel like I really already have it, then I might not think that there are certain people I can learn from. But as long as I still feel and see myself as someone who needs to learn, I feel lacking, I feel like I need to be a Talmud chacham, then we will not only always be learning, but be open to learning from anybody. Uh, thirdly and finally, I want to mention that there is a uh, very interesting idea that is quoted uh, by the Maharal initially and in his commentary, the Derechaim. And he says that Gemara here implies, again, not just learning, that's obvious, that's the basis of the entire list, but rather Gemara here, the Bryce is telling us first and foremost, the key to learning is Gemara, learn from a teacher. Learn from a Rebbe. It's not enough to learn on your own, but the key, the Bryce says, is a person needs guidance. We need personal guidance. We need a Rebbe. And the Tiferes Yisrael here uh, in Avos goes with the Maharal's interpretation, and he explains that Divrei Torah Tzarech Shekabla Mirav, that to really accomplish and learn, a person has to be taught, has to accept and receive the Torah from a teacher. The Torah is not like other chachmos in which a person, in theory, could become self-taught, in theory, uh, can learn on his own or her own, but rather, it's necessary to be received and taught from a teacher. The uh, this idea uh, it found, finds expression in many, many sources, uh, but just to briefly mention a few, the Rambam in the Parish HaMishnayis, in the beginning of Perki Avos, in Perak Aleph Mishnevav, uh, the Rambam tells us, She'ein limur ha'adam me'atzmo kilimduhu me'zulaso. Kilimudo, excuse me, mezulaso. That a person learning on his own is not the same, it's just not on the same level, it's deficient compared to when you learn from and through somebody else. That you will understand and achieve a higher level of learning and a more lasting ability to hold on uh, to your learning if you learn Torah from somebody else. And fascinatingly, uh, the Rambam stresses that this does not necessarily even presuppose that the person teaching you is an objectively bigger uh, scholar than you. But just the very fact that they have something that they can teach you and that process of the give and take, that someone gives and you receive, that you take that learning, that process allows for greater understanding and greater retention of the learning. Perhaps the most dramatic expression that I can think of for the importance and the necessity of learning from a Rebbe comes from a surprising source. And that is the halacha quoted in Maseches Makos on Daf Yud Amad Aleph that describes someone who is a rotzeach b'shogeg, someone who killed uh, accidentally and therefore is guilty and has to go to the Ir Miklat, one of the Levim's city of refuge, as we all know, the famous halacha, until the Kohen Gadol dies. And we are taught there in Makos that a Talmud Shagala, if a, a student uh, actually has to go to Golos, unfortunately he killed someone by accident, Magalan Rabo Imo, that actually his Rebbe <laughs> is, a, is a collateral damage in a sense. The Rebbe also has to go to Golos uh, from him, because the Pesach tells us, Vachai, that we have to, uh, this Rotech Meshogah has to live in the Ermiglat, um, and the 
Chazal learned from that, we have to do everything possible for the Talmud to live. And apparently in order to live, a person needs his Rebbe. And really the Gemara itself, the implications are striking. And the Rambam's formulation in Hilchos Rotzach, in the beginning of Perek Zion, really underscores and sharpens the impression clearly. That is to say, says the Rambam, do everything possible for this uh, accidental murderer to be able to live. An unbelievable formulation of the Rambam. True life for someone who's a Baal Chachma, someone who cares about Chachma, someone who's pursuing wisdom and knowledge, someone who cares about learning Torah. Life for such a person, below Talmud, Kemisa Chashuvin. And again, it's striking that here the Rambam uses the lotion of below Talmud. This is the Rambam's citation and ruling of this halacha, which we just mentioned, that the Rebbe must intergolos with the student, that the teacher must go with the student. And the Rambam says, because below Talmud, which is the Rambam's term for without your Rebbe, which perfectly uh, confirms and uh, is consistent with what we say from the Maral and Tiferes Yisrael, that our uh, Brisa Talmud means also with a Rebbe. So a life below Talmud, a life without the Rebbe, Kemisa Chashuvin, is not considered life. An incredible, incredible statement. And to add, uh, to conclude this part of the shir, uh, to even sharpen this, to augment this even further, the Nemuki Yosef there, Marcos, points out that this is not only if you, the Ir Mikla had no other Torah teachers. Even if there are other Rebbeim and other people you could learn from Miklat, even if there's someone else who could teach you, but someone who you're used to learning from, someone who is your Rebbe, that's preferable, because not everyone's successful to learn from anybody else, and therefore if you already have a Rebbe who you are able to learn from, that is such a necessary thing for your life as the Rotech B'Shogeg, that the Rebbe, the teacher of the Rotech B'Shogeg, the accidental murderer, is required to go into Golos with his student, because otherwise the student will not be able to live. A very, very striking uh, halacha and formulation here in these Rishonim that underscores this interpretation. So just to review, the opening attribute we saw was Hasma, uh, was, excuse me, was Talmud, and we said three interpretations. The first was, you have to be a Masmid, be diligent, no matter how smart you are, no matter who your father is, no matter what your family is, you must learn on your own, be a hard worker. Number two was, always feel chaser, know what you've learned, always feel like there's more you can learn, be a Talmud Chacham, always be a student and learn from everyone. And finally, Talmud perhaps may mean that it's important to learn from a Rebbe. Okay, that is attribute number one. The second attribute is Shmias Ozen, uh, to listen, it's the importance of listening. And here also there are a number of interpretations specifically, as well as the broader uh, point that is found in numerous sources about the importance of listening. But specifically, again, it's almost a cliche that it's important to be a good listener, and it seems obvious in learning that you should have to listen. Uh, so perhaps something more is going on even in the Brisa than is obvious. So a few interpretations. The Tiferes Yisrael, uh, as well as the Maharal, uh, both point out that this doesn't just mean listen in some obvious sense, but it means listen well, listen carefully. The Tiferes Yisrael in particular points out that the word ozen is uh, extra, right? The Brisa could have just said lishmoa or shmiya or something like that. Why shmias 
ozen, why that extra phrase, your ear should listen. So the extra uh, word, says the Tiferes Yisrael, as often as the case, is for emphasis. Hakshava gedola, listen really well, with great, great concentration. Yichid ozno lehadvarim, really focus, concentrate, to exclusion of anything else, any distractions. Uh, and the maral, you know, in echoing this point, says, you know, you have to realize that if your mind wanders, you could... You, know, you might miss one point, but maybe that whole point, uh, maybe that one point could underlie the whole shear. You might misunderstand the whole shear uh, if you miss that one point. Uh, as the Medrash Shmuel says, you could miss a margalit yikara. Maybe the one point you happen to miss is your mind wanders, is the most precious uh, stone, the most precious and key, uh, important point of the whole shear. And therefore, Shmias Ozen, first interpretation, not just listen, that's obvious, but listen well, listen carefully. A second interpretation is offered by Rav Chaim Amivalajan in his commentary to Avos, the Ruach Chaim. And he says that Shmias Ozen here means specifically hearing as opposed to reading. That is to say that there's something similar to what we saw uh, in the previous uh, attribute, one of the interpretations we just saw a few moments ago, that Talmud might mean Dafka hearing from a Rebbe. So in a similar parallel way, <coughs> says Rav Chaim Valajaner, that the Chush Hashmiah, that particular way of learning, which is not the only way of learning, of course a person could read <coughs> and learn that way, excuse me, but the Chush Hashmiah, learning through hearing, is critical because what you hear from others will be tif ol yoter, he says. It will have more of an impact than what you read uh, in books. And in this context, uh, there is a famous uh, expression can be found in a number of sources, I believe, I think, um, that maybe the earliest uh, Citation of this is already in the Sefer HaKuzari in Ma'amar Sheni, where uh, the, but you'll find this in other Sfarim as well, where the Kuzari says the expression of a sharp uh, idiom that a person should learn, Sofrim Velomi Pi Sfarim, from a sofer, from a scholar, and not from a book. Sofrim Velomi Pi Sfarim. And the idea seems to be, clearly as the Kuzari and others elaborate, that when you're hearing from someone in person, Panim El Panim in particular, uh, that is best. So you can observe nuances, subtlety, nonverbal communication, pauses, facial expression, loud, soft intonation, etc., etc. I would add, uh, I guess I have to admit, that I guess in this context, hearing a shear recorded on a podcast or KMTT is also not as good. It's not the best thing. Sofrim velomi pi svarim might also mean velomi pi haklatot if it has to do with the subtle um, non-verbal communication that perhaps is not fully conveyed in a recording. But I think that the overall spirit, um, not only is it an important point, it's certainly, I think, still accomplished even in a recorded cheer, and that is that hearing from somebody else is still better than just reading on one's own, or at least it has a dimension which cannot be captured in learning on one's own. As the Ruach Chaim says, the Chush Hashmiah itself uh, has an impact in the learning's ability uh, to affect the person. So that's the second interpretation. The third interpretation... Uh, is uh, found in some Svarim, uh, which takes its inspiration from a comment of the Vilna Gon in his parish to Sefer Mishlei. In Mishlei, Paragir Aleph, Apostolic Bet, we have the expression, Ves Tznuim Chachma. What does that mean, Ves Tznuim Chachma? Modesty, wisdom, what does one thing have to do with the other? So the Vilna Gon says, Iker HaChachma Hu Bahatznuim. That the the main place you'll find wisdom, the main way to accomplish becoming wise, is to be tzanua. 
And in what case, what does Tzanua mean in this context? Says the Vilna Gon, Sheshotkin milomar torasam vidaatam. It's referring to a person who doesn't talk so much, isn't always talking about his or her own learning, but instead is shomin meirabosam, is hearing as opposed to talking. The idea being that the Ikra Chachma is not to say your own ideas in your own Torah, but rather hearing and learning from teachers. And the Vilnagon goes on to point out that uh, we can find a basis of this even in the biological uh, reality, as he points out that we have two ears and two eyes, but only one mouth. And the idea is, he says, Kiashtikuhu toeles kefel min hadibor. There are twice as many ears or twice as many eyes because the ability to hear other people, to see other people, or to learn from books, etc., that's doubly important. It's kefel from dibor, from talking, from saying your uh, own thing. And of course, this is a, a really interesting way of getting at the point, and the Vilnagon's formulation is really quite uh, memorable, but it just reminds us, and it's certainly an echo of the even more well-known expression earlier in the third parak of Perki Avos, siyag that if you want to be wise, don't talk too much, i.e., listen, don't be always talking, but rather listen so that you can learn from other people. And Rabbeinu Yonah there in Avos Perakimel also says a similar idea. Don't talk too much, but instead uh, listen uh, to a Rebbe. So when it comes to interpreting this uh, second attribute here uh, in our list, Shmias Ozen, we also have shared three specific interpretations. Number one, listen carefully. Don't, even, don't let your mind wander. You could miss a key point. Number two, hearing, specifically learning from people who are teaching you as opposed to just reading on your own. There's something about that which makes the learning go better. And then hearing as opposed to talking, i.e. listen and learn, be a recipient, uh, get wisdom from other people. Don't be so busy talking and hearing you know, yourself talk and sharing your own opinions. Uh, that doesn't help you necessarily, but rather uh, have a... a closed mouth, but an open ear and open eyes, so you can learn from other people. just want to spend uh, a few more minutes just to conclude, uh, not a particularly, not specifically an interpretation of the Brisa or Shmias Ozen, but the larger point that uh, hearing and listening is a key not only for learning Kenyan Torah, which is our context, but there are also many sources that point out the significance, the importance of listening in general as a key to Avodah Hashem as a key for spiritual growth. Um, and just to uh, quote two sources to underlie that broader point, uh, Rabbeinu Yonah in the Sha'ari Tshuva in Sha'ar Bet, uh, in the 12th paragraph, Yud Bet, Yud Bet, he goes on there, very important source about the importance of Shmiya, of listening, and how if a person loses the ability to hear, that would be like taking away his or her entire essence, that a person simply cannot grow religiously, spiritually, uh, or at least they're robbed significantly of their ability to grow uh, and to be a spiritually aspirational and growing person without the ability to hear. And to underscore this point, he quotes an amazing medrash in Shmos Rabbah in Parsha Chavzayin Simentes. Uh, this is going on Yisro. We know the Torah tells us that Yisro heard uh, what happened and therefore he came to join the Jewish people. And the Medrash here points out a parallel uh, between uh, someone having physical um, 
wounds and, uh, so to speak, spiritual wounds. And he points out that if a person has injuries all over uh, his body or her body, then a doctor has to specifically treat and put bandages, if you will, on every specific limb. However, he says, when it comes to uh, spiritual wounds or spiritual uh, injuries, if you will, then even if you sinned with different parts of your body, certain sins may be more connected to your eyes, certain sins are more connected to your mouth, certain sins are more connected to your hands or to your leg, but he says, if a person, his whole body has Averos, they sin with all sorts of parts of the body. But nevertheless, if the Ozen is Shema'as, then Kol HaGuf is Makabel Chaim. That in fact, you could bandage all the specific wounds, if you will, the spiritual um, maladies and spiritual injuries. But in fact, says the Medrash, there is a more fundamental and more profound way of dealing the problem. And that is not to bandage the specific uh, wounds, but rather to fix something that underlies all of that. And that is to open up one's ears, to be able to hear, to hear Torah, to hear inspiration. And it, I think uh, the implication is clearly also to hear Musr or Tochacha, uh, hopefully said correctly and sensitively and lovingly. But uh, no one's perfect and we often need to hear that and have people help us. Uh, sometimes other people can see our mistakes better than we can or can help lead us uh, to a better place, better than we might on our own. We have to be open to hearing that. And if we have our open ears, ha'ozed is shamas, if all we have is that, already from that, kol ha'guf says the Medrash, the whole body can that gain life. You don't have to worry about bandaging the specific parts. If you have an ozen shamas, if the ear is listening, again, the same uh, terminology uh, used here in uh, in our brisa, ozen shamas, shmias ozen, same idea. So then, that can actually bring life to the entire body. And as the medrash concludes, just as Yisro, the Torah emphasizes, heard what happened, and that his ability to have an open mind and to really listen and hear the message of God through what was happening to the Jewish people. Everyone, according to Chazal, everyone in the world knew what was happening to the Jewish people when they went out of Mitzrayim. But it was Yisro in particular who had a Ozen Shamas. He truly heard and understood the implication, and by having that open ear, he was able to completely transform his spiritual life and his destiny uh, for all time. So, in addition to specifically the need to hear as one of the ways to help learn and achieve a Kinyan Torah, the reason for it being listed number two on our list of Kinyan Torah, but the broader point I think was also worth uh, adding in this context to underscore that hearing, having an open open mind, as we would say, and being able to hear other people, hear the messages that Hashem is sending our way through various natural or human messengers. Uh, that Ozen Shamas, the ability to hear, is not only a key for learning and success in Talmud Torah, but also a key in general for religious growth.